From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, folks. Uh, welcome to this latest edition of the Market Signals podcast. My name is Mark Zabicki, Chief Investment Officer at LPL Financial. It's a pleasure to be joined by Tom Ship, um, a quantitative equity analyst at, at LPL Financial. Uh, as we talk about in this Market Signals podcast, a little bit of what's going on uh, from a macro perspective, but also we're going to talk a little bit about some activity from an individual equity sector perspective, specifically around healthcare. And and Tom is here to kind of um, drill down a little bit for us on that. Tom, how are you doing? Thanks, Mark. I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Good, good. And and we are recording this Market Signals podcast on Tuesday, November eighth. Um, so it's good to be with you on this Tuesday. Um, just looking back, as we always do in terms of global equity market activity, last week in, in equities, it's um, a little bit more of a choppier session uh, in terms of the entire week relative to some weeks we've recently experienced. Um, and we'll get into why you know that is, but you know some inconsistencies around uh, what, what we're seeing from a sector perspective. We'll touch a little bit on on healthcare, which was modestly lower over the past week. Uh, energy continues to ride relatively high. Consumer discretionary was weak. Technology um, was was weak as well. Um, some relative strength. Uh, in Europe relative to the U.S., um, so something that was you know notable, you know uh, last week. But generally, um, a, a market that seems to be willing to to try to clean itself up a little bit, given the the difficulty that we've had so far in in 2022. Um, not quite as strong as as we've seen in recent uh, weeks, but not a not a bad week overall. Certainly relative to to what we've seen again in 2022 with bond market, a little bit of downside pressure as, as yields have risen a little bit. Again, um, uh, Jay Powell was a was a driver of some of this activity, but continued you know relative pressure in in um, in the bond market. Commodities performed rather well. I think I think we uh, owe that uh, to some. Uh, some more bullish activity in in the energy space, although industrial metals, metals and precious metals indices were also uh, nicely higher for the last um, week. Again, the key drivers, if we've looked back in our rear view mirror over the last several trading days, the Federal uh, Federal Reserve did raise its Fed funds rate by 75 basis points to 4% on the upper bound. And um, Fed Chair Jay Powell threw a little bit of cold water on uh, capital mar markets in, in some comments that were indeed considered hawkish as he warned against um, expectations for a, um, a near-term pause from, from the Federal Reserve. Um, and, uh, you know, I think what he had to say, Tom, and, and you know, you, you can tell me wh whether you agree or disagree with this, but... Um, I think what he had to say was was within expectations. I mean, I think in general terms, um, he is going to be focused on inflation as the Federal Reserve has been focused on inflation as they continue to try to dial that down uh, for market participants. 
but you know he's going to continue to to stay on the the break in terms of rising interest rates or increasing interest rates over the next couple of Fed meetings. Um, although we are expecting not um, a 75 basis point increase in the next Fed meeting, we are expecting more of a 50 basis point increase. What, what's your take on that, Tom? Any 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 anything from where you sit? Yeah, yeah, I think that you know what uh, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell has to do and is make us believe that we are you know basically that we fear the Fed and that we will you know, as an economy, slow ourselves down to, to cool some of that demand. And, and you know, he's kind of continued to do what he says. And I think where the market sometimes starts to think he may pivot or, or whatnot, and I think that those things may may still happen. Um, but, you know, he has to continue on this drive. And, and the notably hawkish stance this time around was not so much, hey, we're going to keep coming with these big, you know, supersized raises, but more so on the, yeah, we're not going to cut anytime soon we're gonna we're gonna hold longer than you are likely thinking and we're probably going to raise a little higher than we're thinking and now i think you know the market's seeing the terminal rate at that five percent and i think that you know not even two three months ago we didn't think he would would get there and and you know there's still 100 to go to see if he does but um yeah i, I think that that's you know pretty much where we're seeing it and i think it kind of supports some of the equity um market moves we've seen in terms of you know favoring value, favoring things that are, um, you know, have cash flow now, right? So durable cash flows right now, um, lower valuations as the entire market's valuations get pulled down, stocks with already cheaper valuations tended to do better, uh, and, and shareholder yield. And by that, I mean, um, obviously dividends, but also could be share buybacks or, or debt retirements. So. No, I, I think that was, that was well said actually. Um, and, and what happened from the Federal Reserve is exactly what we expected, 75 basis point increase. And the commentary was was not far removed from our expectations as an asset allocation committee either here at LPL Research. I mean, we he's going to stay hawkish in his tone, but but in fact, we think he's going to ease off the break in these next few um, FOMC meetings, meaning perhaps going 50 basis points in December as opposed to um, uh, as, as opposed to 75 and maybe 25 in the early 25 basis points in the early stages of 2023 remains to be seen what we see but um, yeah basically um, met expectations as far as the work that we uh, we do at LPL research. Um, what was interesting I'm sure for the Fed was to see, the unemployment rate actually tick up to 3.7% from 3.5% uh, in the month prior. That was the October unemployment rate. Non-farm payrolls came in a little bit stronger than expected at 261, 261,000 versus 193. And the prior month was revised higher. So those, those numbers um, had some give and take to them. Uh, the non-farm payrolls is probably a little bit more uh, robust than the Fed wanted to see, but the unemployment rate ticking up to 3.7%, probably something that the Federal Reserve um, would would actually like to see at this at this point. And then on an earnings perspective, um, we are getting modestly positive earnings that are continuing in the in the third quarter in the third quarter um, uh, earnings release season. That is. You know, sluggish is a key word here. The, 
The blended 2.2% year-over-year growth rate, according to FactSet, is probably um, slightly above expectations a little bit. Um, maybe um, certainly better some of the better than some of the worst-case expectations that were probably built into the market uh, as we headed into October. Um, but but again, actually, an S and P 500 in a corporate earnings cycle that that is probably a little bit you know stronger than I would um, have expected. And then as we look to midterm elections today, um, and as we look back to last week from an energy and financial sector perspective, and Tom, I'll, I'll turn it to you here just a little bit, is that we are getting some tailwind in energy, getting some tailwind in financials, um, perhaps because those two sectors may benefit from a, a more Republican-led Congress. Is, is, that, is that fair to say? Yeah, that, that's definitely been some of the you know commentary we we've seen coming out around the market. Um, you know, also heard you know bids for industrials as well, kind of in that same same regard. Uh, you could even throw pharmaceuticals in there, uh, as you know, a divided Congress may have less um, call it potential regulations coming toward toward uh, pharmaceuticals. So, yeah, that, that's that's a bit of of where where we've been hearing things. I, I'm. I'm more focused on on Thursday's CPI print, to be honest. I think a lot of the midterm, um, and, and you're, you'll get to this, but I think a lot of this was kind of baked in as far as uh, you know where where things will likely play out, and, and that is likely a divided Congress. Um, but I think you know back to our, our Fed commentary, they're going to continue watching the data, and and that and Thursday CPI I think is a bigger bigger um, you know news event for for the equity markets at least. Uh, yeah. Perfect segue into into the economic data this week out of the U.S. and we are getting those CPI numbers on Thursday, as you just mentioned. That that will be um, what market participants should actually uh, be paying attention to above all else, probably this week, including the midterm elections. Because as you said, Tom, that's that's perhaps already baked into market prices. Um, CPI will be clearly important um, for market participants in that we're expecting as the consensus is CPI continually to, to gradually fall. Um, October is expected in terms of the Bloomberg consensus estimate at, um, at 8% versus 8.2% in the prior month. And the core CPI or X food and energy is supposed to be relatively flat as, as housing continues to be a, a more stubborn element of, of the broader CPI. Um, so that's what we're seeing there. And then finally, on Friday, the University of Michigan consumer sentiment reading, uh, something to take note of broadly across the economic calendar and non-U.S. markets. Um, we'll focus on uh, retail sales um, and uh, GDP out of the UK, as well as, as CPI from Germany, things that you want to kind of keep an eye on. Industrial production on yesterday from Germany was actually higher than expected, which is, you know, somewhat interesting. But we'll see how GDP out of the UK and, and CPI from Germany look later this week. So some some elements of the um, U.S. and global economic calendar to pay attention to. Key issues, as we touched on, Tom, um, CPI, um, 
expecting it to fall to 8%, Michigan consumer confidence. U.S. dollar direction, which has been a little bit of a headwind for um, markets in general, certainly emerging markets, um, and and probably adding to some difficulty from an earnings perspective. I know you've got a, a comment on materials, which you're watching closely uh, this morning, and, and you know here we list some of the key earnings reports that we're expecting this week. Uh, the Dupont numbers uh, were a little bit more robust than expected. I think Tom, what, what's your what's your take on Dupont, and what's it, what is it doing for materials sector? This morning, so far, yeah, it's it's driving the entire chemical complex higher this morning. Uh, you know, they had they beat on three Q and and raised four Q guidance, um, and, and it looked like the the dollar headwinds actually coming in uh, a little lower uh, than than anticipated. But yeah, o- overall, they've also announced a a, a new five billion dollar buyback. So this kind of comes back to. Uh, where I was going with with some of these names that you know generating cash now um, and and are are paying cash back to investors now, right? There's not a uh, self help story here. There's not a you know what what's going on uh, a speculative growth you know where we got to factor in higher rates. This is this is a, an investment right now, and that's why I think so. Not just lifting up Dupont, obviously leading leading the way, but Mosaic is up too, and and just a, quite a few. Uh, in, in the material space or, or leading the sector higher as of, you know, what is it, 11.30 a.m. right now was, was leading the S&P 500. Yeah, and, 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 that's, and that's been our broader suggestion as an asset allocation committee for that equity exposure, make it a little bit more value-centric, make it, you know, more ballast names in your portfolio. Um, you touched on it, Tom, if, if, you're, if you're leading to the more high-flying, high-valuation names, given the pressure of uh, interest rates in this environment, that just hasn't been a good place to be. And we don't know that it's going to be a, a good place to be anytime real in, in near term. So as you're taking a look at your equity portfolio at this point, I think you want to make sure that uh, it's got those elements of stability into it. Um, certainly that's a, you know, it's kind of a, almost a Warren Buffett-esque type of an approach in terms of high cash flow generating companies, even those companies that turn that cash flow into a, a steady dividend is also a, a place to be looking as well. Um, as we sit here on a Tuesday, midterm election results, so we'll see what comes of that. You know, as 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 we get those results tonight and perhaps into into tomorrow, um, looking a little bit closer at, at in terms of expectations from a Democrat versus Republican scenario, a real clear politics, um, constantly puts together this you know generic congressional vote polling data and compares um, how Republicans are faring versus Democrats um, on a current basis. And obviously, you can see what it's looked like in in recent history. Uh, you, we're expecting. Perhaps a um, a House win for Republicans, and maybe even perhaps a Senate win for Republicans. We'll see. We'll see what the results um, bear over the next you know couple days or so. But clearly, um, market participants are focusing on um, a congressional power struggle to kind of head back toward the Republican end of the spectrum 
at the end of today and, and into tomorrow. And, and, and again, we touched on some of that activities, perhaps reading into energy financials um, and the healthcare sector, which we will get into in just a moment. Um, one of the key things, and I just brought this up for reference, is we've heard quite a bit lately about um, the amount of U.S. diesel inventory um, in, um, in, in the U.S. And, and how that inventory is down relative to the recent past. It is down, but it's not entirely abnormal uh, as we look at, you know, back in 23 or, or 2013, 2014 timeframe time and equate that to what's going on now. So while diesel inventories are low and perhaps some semblance um, um, of concern can be derived from that, it's really not necessarily that unusual um, given to where we've given where we've been in the recent recent past. So something to kind of keep an, a note on. One of the reasons perhaps for those reductions in diesel inventory has been the amount of truckload miles that's, that, that, have, that we're recording now here in the US, meaning that you know, um, freight is increasingly utilized to deliver more things, if you will, um, as opposed to pipeline infrastructure in the in the U.S. is perhaps not what it should be to deliver oil. Um, so increasingly oil is, be, is being delivered by truckload. So some of those increased truckload miles in order to deliver oil, and oh, by the way, shale oil production is back to where it was in 2019. So, so we are getting a lot of oil production in the U.S., and that increasingly has to be delivered by truckload as opposed to pipeline. Um, and that's one of the reasons why truckload miles are, are, have been so high, historically high. Um, and then one of the reasons, again, while diesel inventories, um, you know, maybe, maybe low. And turning to healthcare for a moment, you know, Tom, I know healthcare has caught your eye. It certainly caught our eye as an asset allocation committee here at LPL Research. We are favoring healthcare relative to some other sectors out there. Um, it's important for several reasons. You know, recent earnings results being one. Um, Tom, what's your take? Yeah, uh, thanks, Mark. I, I just wanted to dig in on, on healthcare. A, a, it's you know, our, our one of our two favorite sectors right now from from a S and P five hundred sector perspective in the stack. And you know, we've been a lot of talk about energy. It's clearly been the leader all year. Um, and, and as you can see at the top of this chart, they've, they've done quite well. But the, the second strongest performer in terms of earnings surprise has been the healthcare sector. Um, and, and both uh, surprise on earnings, as you can see here, seven and three quarters percent. And that's just aggregating the net income of all of the companies versus the net uh, consensus net income of all, all the 58 companies that are reported out of 64 in the index. So it's a, an aggregate take. Um, so it's weighted in somewhat, but maybe not weighted by the market cap, but weighted by the actual net income. Um, and, and what's what's interesting too, is that 76%, you can see that green, white, uh, red line. Well, 76% well, of the companies of those 58 have beat earnings estimates. Um, and and so when you if you dig into this, right, and you go into each of the different industry groups within 
healthcare and, and sub industries, it's been across the board on the on the surprise side, on the earnings beat side. Uh, so it's kind of been consistent. You know, they've been able to um, perform better than than the market thought. Year over year, re- revenue is up five and a half percent, but on the earnings side, it's actually down. So while year over year growth in earnings is down in healthcare, it, we have beat the expectation. So we did better than the market thought, but the growth isn't there. And so what that's saying is that, you know, the margin compression is clear from rising rising input costs, rising labor costs uh, in the healthcare sector. It, it's so year over year earnings are down, I think you know, about 2.4%. Um, and then taking that forward, right, looking at from the beginning of earnings season, what's happened to, to estimates for, for 2023 as a whole? Um, the earnings estimates are down about 2.6%. And, and looking at the market overall, it's it's down about 4%. So, you know, holding up a little bit better since earnings season began. Taking that all the way back to the beginning of the year, though, healthcare is uh, down about the same amount. So basically, this earnings season has, has really propped up uh, healthcare, and it hasn't declined as much on a, on a forward-looking basis, showing that they've been able to, A, uh, hold up top line better and, and you know yes there is margin compression but better than the rest of the the s p 500 uh as a whole so it again it just kind of comes back to to looking at those defensive type sectors through through a slowing uh, economy that that you know is likely coming in 2023 um and, and why healthcare continues to be one of the sectors that we favor yeah and it, it... As you know, Tom, it's it's often relative to the market's expectations. If we've got, you know, not necessarily strong earnings flow from healthcare, but but better than expectations, it is often enough of a catalyst to drive that home. Um, and and again, I I like your point about moving into an economic environment that's not going to be that robust. Um, it, it, we we could see some modest growth through um, the balance of, of, of this year as we get Q4 numbers in some point sometime in January, but certainly more sluggish growth in 2023. Um, not a not a not an environment for you know high flying equity exposure. So again, more of those ballast names in, in a portfolio uh, that may fetter, fare better than uh, than others uh, as the economic conditions get a little bit more um, a little tougher, if you will. So good, good point on healthcare. I'll, I'll move you to the the next slide. And I guess this is just w- another way to kind of uh, look at, at what you were talking about in terms of relative performance uh, in healthcare versus the rest of the S&P 500 sectors. Yeah. So so what we're looking at here, and it has been um, it, um, we've got over the five days. So if you aggregate all the, the names five days after they reported earnings, you know, where, where did the aggregate performance of each of the sectors relative to their uh, earnings surprise, right? So you see that healthcare, uh, you know, is, is that second furthest to the right because it was the second highest earnings surprise. Uh, and then, you know, on a, on a five-day price change basis, it's also, you know, looking pretty good. As you can see on a five-day basis, You've got industrials and financials up there above it on the performance. Uh, if you look at this on the day of earnings, everything is in the in in the red except energy and healthcare. So the market basically saying the market has appreciated the 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 better than expected earnings. To your point, everything is 
um, is relative to to the expectations. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 exactly. So, um, at, and we have been talking about as an asset allocation committee that that balance that lean more toward value versus growth. We, we've seen that play out in some results. You want to make sure that your sector exposures are not leaning toward growth. You're not leaning toward more of the, the higher beta exposures. Um, again, more of that ballast approach to an equity uh, portfolio. So as, as we, as we wrap this up, uh, Tom, if we, and, and thanks folks, thank you folks for, for joining us. I mean, what will be important this week is, is to, is to keep an eye on the CPI number, uh, keep keep an eye on the University of Michigan consumer confidence reading um, as this market continues to digest what the next move of the Federal Reserve is going to be, where is the dollar going to be um, in such an environment where you have that macroeconomic uncertainty, there's an opportunity to turn to, um, you know, kind of those, those ballast uh, equity sectors, um, those ballast equity names that may be uh, more favorable in such an uncertain environment and certainly more favorable for um, an environment that's going to slow down in terms of economic activity as well. So good points today, Tom. Um, as, as, as people dig into the election results over the, the next couple of days, we, we hope the audience has a, has a good week. Um, and we will be back with the Market Signals podcast next week. Thank you all for joining. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.